1: Welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast, along with Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel, both rocking new headphones and hoping to bring the sound quality of the Baseball America podcast to a whole new level here in 2011. So we thank you all for your patience and uh, bringing the podcast a day late on the college tip. Aaron, we everyone thinks we already just got it all out of our systems yesterday and said it all yesterday, but we're going to say it again today and hopefully cover some new ground as we review the second week of the Division One college baseball season. We've got great weather, and I'm hoping that after I re- we record the podcast today, I'll go out and catch the second half of North Carolina and UNC Charlotte. Any uh, games in your future tonight?
2: Probably not. I'm, uh, I've got to get weekend preview geared up here and then head to Houston on Thursday. So oh, I'm going right. to buckle week. down. Yeah, Houston College Classic, big, big, uh, big weekend. I'm really excited about it. And I'll be in, in Austin on Sunday for the finale of that uh, Texas-Stanford series.
1: Well that's just a doggone good weekend of college baseball. That's awesome. Have you ever been you, said it. you ever been to Austin? I forget.
2: This been my first time, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. You know, I I go to Texas every year for the, the Houston College Classic and I feel like I never get to see these uh these great ballparks that they have there 'cause you know, as as great an event as, as the Houston College Classic is and, and Minute Maid is is a great venue. Um and i like to see all those teams in one stop, but uh that that's the, the part I miss out on a little bit is, is that uh, the college atmosphere of the ballparks. So looking forward to getting a chance to see Dish Falk.
1: I've been to Dish Falk, but I went to when it was just Dish Falk, not when it was Ufsu Dish Dish Falk or whatever it's called. Now what is it? University Federal Credit Union or Federated Credit Union?
2: I think that's it.
1: UFCU Park at Dish Falk Stadium or something like that. So I'm not meaning to mangle it. I just know that it's complicated. So you've got Rice there. You've got Kentucky. Who else is in the college? Utah, Texas A&M
2: and uh and houston of course uh are we forgetting somebody is that six
1: um i think there's two others houston texas a&m utah baylor baylor that's it so several ranked ball clubs and uh and with utah you have one of my favorite prospects this year cj crone son of uh former hickory crawdads manager uh, chris crone old friend of mine long time uh minor league manager who switched from the white sox organization elsewhere. And C.J.'s younger brother is also a 2011 draft prospect as a high school hitter down in Arizona. So, but I digress. We want to talk about Week 2 in college baseball before we start talking about Week 3. Aaron, the several storylines we can talk about in Week 2, obviously. Let's we'll start right at the top, though, with the Florida Gators. I think we were, you know, it was kind of an easy decision for us to rank the Gators number one in the preseason. Uh, They've made everybody who had them number one in the preseason look smart so far. They've really bolted out of the gates, playing very, very well. And, you know, it just seems like offense, they're they're firing on all cylinders so far, at least it seems from afar. Is that the sense you get?
2: Yeah, there's no question. I mean, you know, I think you and I both felt like this is a team that really didn't have any discernible weaknesses heading into the season. Um, They're incredibly deep in all facets, especially in the mound, and their pitching has been utterly dominant. Um, you know, it's great to see. I think Carson and Whitson live up to some of the expectations that were set before him. He's pitched very well first two starts out, giving them kind of another potential ace. But Brian Johnson has, you know, and Hudson Randall, not to be outdone. those guys have been outstanding on Friday and Saturday. Bullpen is terrific. We always talk about pitching and defense with Florida, but, you know, I've said it before, I do think that the heart of the order is a separator there. I don't think there's a lot of college teams that have three premium power bats in the middle, uh, like Austin Maddox and Preston Tucker and, and Brian Johnson.
1: Your man Preston Tucker's off to a really good start. You've always been high on Preston Tucker. That's the reason I say that. You just have always been impressed with his talent, a little bit more so than I have been. But he's, you know, off to a great start this year, four forty eight. He's got two of the teams, four home runs. Um and the thing and the other I guess the other kind of X factor, one I think we both knew this was a strength of their team, that they had great catching depth. Austin Maddox was a guy who caught in high school, certainly would be a catcher for many of their programs. Um, they have a guy like, uh, you know, and Mike Zanino and Ben McMahon, is it McMahon or McMahon?
2: I think it's McMahon.
1: McMahon, that's what I thought. I've heard his name pronounced different ways. But uh, McMahon's a veteran who he's caught there as well. But I don't think we knew quite how much the other coaches in the SEC, what the high esteem they have for Mike Zanino. He was almost unanimous for best defensive catcher and best, uh, you know, he, he was in the mix for both best defensive catcher and best catcher arm in our best tool survey in the sec and he's got two home runs this year so that team is so strong up the middle it's not that they just don't have a weakness they just have a lot of strengths you know everything exactly. is a strength everything's a strength for them uh the one question i guess we have with two questions with the bullpen and then replacing uh uh dendekker matt Dendecker in center field how are they addressing those two needs so far seven games into the year
2: well certainly i think cam washington's done a really good job um, you know, he's given them kind of a, another little table setter toward the top of the lineup after Nolan Fontana. Uh, he's he's, he's a, a, an explosive athlete in center field. I think he's very exciting. And the bullpen, I mean, for me, wasn't really a question. I mean, they didn't, they lost their closer, you know, and he was a really good closer. Um, but uh, uh, they've got so much depth and so many power arms back there. I mean, I think Paco Rodriguez is the guy who, who they really trust a lot. And, I mean, they trust a lot of guys back there. It's really a deep staff, and, and they can close close games out a lot of different ways.
1: It's crazy just looking at their numbers. Uh, You know, last year their first starter in Omaha was Alex Pantaleotis, and he's thrown two innings so far this year. He's not hurt. He just has kind of gotten pushed back uh, by all these uh, other arms they have. I mean, again, a guy like Tommy Toledo we talked about in the preseason, Aaron, who was a third-round pick out of high school. He's thrown four innings so far and three relief innings. I mean, that's a pretty nice luxury to have, to have a guy like that be – Uh, almost a surplus arm when you're the University of Florida. Our preseason number two team, though, Aaron, was uh, UCLA. The Bruins were last year's national runner-up, and they lose a a weekend series here in the second week. I think we just didn't ever expect that it would happen uh, so early. Maybe it would be conceivable that uh, UCLA would lose a series here or there, but with their starting pitching, we just didn't think people would beat Cole and Bauer back-to-back. It had happened this weekend with San Jose State.
2: Yeah, you know, and you have to give the Spartans a lot of credit. You know, they they uh they outplayed UCLA in in the first two games of that series and um you know they got really good pitching. I think they've got a good staff. I mean we talked about Roberto Padilla throwing a complete game on Saturday to beat Trevor Bauer. Um a guy that uh Padilla I think will be will be highlighted in this week's draft tracker. Connor Glassy is putting together. Um you know, Zach Jones, another guy sophomore who's who's apparently been up to ninety six miles an hour, according to Tom Coon. Over there. So, um, you know, they've got some talent on that team. I mean, it's uh, the WAC, I think, is, is, a, is a strong league this year, and it's easy to overlook San Jose State because Fresno, you know, is in the top 25 now. It's a very experienced Fresno team, um, you know, and, and Hawaii, I think, it was in regionals last year. Uh, they've got a lot of talent, and they've played well in the first two weeks against uh, very good opponents. Um, so, but, but San Jose State looks like they're going to be a factor there as well.
1: One of the things I'm just looking at San Jose's schedule that just jumps out is they have not had it easy this year. Their opening weekend series against St. Mary's, a home road home series, was all kinds of interrupted by rain. They only got in two games uh, the first weekend, and they also had a game with Albany of all teams that went 17 innings. They beat Albany uh, 6-5 in 17 innings. That was their game right before the UCLA series started, and that Friday game was interrupted by rain. Now, that kind of was a break for them, but still, they have had a, a very choppy start to the season. And, uh, you know, I think credit goes to San Perraro, who, for people who are maybe a little bit newer to the sport, Sam Perraro's been at San Jose State a long time, took the Spartans to the 2000 College World Series. Tom Kunis, his pitching coach, has uh, been the pitching coach at, uh, San, at uh, Stanford previously, and then did a nice job over at Alone Junior College uh, there in the NorCal area. Uh, as a head coach there for a year or two then, went to San Jose State. So these guys know what they're doing with the Spartans. It's a quality program. So
2: Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, UCLA still should win that series at home. You'd expect the number two team in the nation to do that. Um, but uh, I don't think anyone should get out of, bent out of shape that they lost a home series. Um, and I mean, certainly, I think there were some extenuating circumstances. I, I do think that uh, Garrett Cole was a little bit affected by throwing nine pitches on Friday and then having his outing interrupted and having to come back on, on Sunday. Um, but that said, you know, he threw, threw up goose eggs for four innings until uh, the Spartans got to him for five runs in, in the fifth, I believe. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's a good club. And, and I think from a UCLA standpoint, they need to swing the bats a little bit better. Um, they have hit on Sunday each of the last two weeks, but not so much Friday and Saturday. Um actually I should say they hit Tuesday and Sunday, they hit Tuesday against Pepperdine, they put up nine runs, and then again this weekend in the finale they scored pretty well. But uh, um, I think I think their offense is going to be okay. They'll be fine. It
1: was, it was stunning, though, to see, um, you know, after UCLA's first four games, they give up no earned runs, only one run in those first four games, to see them lose a series against an unranked team. Just not what we saw coming. Um, now, we did have some other, obviously, series of note this week, some performances of note, but I think the highlight of the whole weekend was Cal State Fullerton at TCU. Uh, you know, Two top ten teams, uh, Fullerton went to Omaha in 2009, TCU was there last year for the first time, both those teams are considered favorites to get to the Cowboys series, and the Titans win this series, I, I guess for me, Aaron, a little asterisk for TCU in that uh, they didn't have Matt Perk uh, fighting a blister problem, so he didn't pitch. But you still have to be, Perk or not, you have to be impressed with Cal State Fulton going halfway across the country and winning a road series against a top-ten team like that.
2: Yeah, certainly. You know, TCU has, has a lot of really good arms, and, and Kyle Winkler pitched great for them on Friday. It sounds like he's he's turned the corner a little bit this year as a, as a junior. Um, And and Andrew Mitchell, they, they, they plugged in there on Sunday, take Perk's spot in the rotation, and he threw five innings of, of one-hit ball. Uh, that guy's just been a dynamo for them. I do think that if you have Perk, Uh, Well, obviously, Perk's one of the best pitchers in the country, but even beyond that, um, you know, you can move Mitchell into the bullpen on week Weekends, uh, and it makes your staff that much stronger. And it does sound like TCU's bullpen kind of let him down a little bit this weekend. Um, Eric Miller has been, you know, I, I think they're pretty encouraged by his work in the bullpen. They think he's going to be a good closer, but didn't pitch very well this weekend against Fullerton. Um, the Titans got some of those timely hits that they didn't get the first weekend. Nick Ramirez came up big for them. You know, He's their big star in the middle. He's got to perform. Um, I will say that from what I've seen in Ramirez, and, and I've seen Fullerton twice now, Um, I've liked his approach. i like the way he's driven the ball uh, to the middle and and to the left side. You know, he's using using what's given to him. He's not trying to do too much. And and he does have power, but he's content to drive the ball into the gaps the other way. So um, I think he's really matured as a hitter, and I think he's primed for a pretty big year.
1: Well, one of the things I love about Fullerton's baseball program is just how passionate they are about baseball, that baseball's front and center there. So if you go on their website, uh, I believe it's Michael Greenlee, Slider Love on Twitter, their SID or baseball SID, who's put this historical compendium together, you can get all of Fullerton's every Division One team they've had. All their stats are up on their website at FullertonTitans.com. I think it's impressive, Aaron, that uh, you know they, in 1975, the year that Fullerton ended the USC dynasty, their first year as a Division One team, where they won the regional and went to Omaha. Yeah, uh, you know, they won their first title in 1979, but that '75 team on which George Horton played. Um, they only hit 28 home runs. And you're looking at this year's Fullerton team, no home runs yet for the Titans. Um, I think we obviously the bats are a big story, but I mean, I think we expect guys like Nick Ramirez, I mean, he's not the only guy on this team's going to hit home runs, but are you a little bit surprised that they haven't hit one out in seven games, uh, or is that just a function of the new bats and the strength of schedule so far for the Titans?
2: Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both of those things, and they played... I think they play two games now at Blair Field and, and, you know, you might, I don't think you'll see 10 home runs at Blair Field this year. I really don't. Um, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it's It's just, you know, it's 340-something down the lines there. It's a big park. It always has played big and and with these bats, I mean it's just it just changes it just changes everything. Uh, but uh, I think Nick Ramirez and, and Carlos Lopez those guys are going going have their share of home runs. Um, the rest of that team is not very powerful, but uh, you know they don't really need to hit home runs to win there. They've great elite top shelf pitching, um, plenty of athleticism and, and you know I mean I've, I've talked before I like some of the guys in their lineup like Richie Pedroza and Anthony Hutting. those are a couple of breakout candidates.
1: You have mentioned that before. Um, speaking of breakouts, kind of uh, two teams breaking into the top 25 this week. I know I'm jumping around a little bit here, Aaron, but let's go down a little bit further in the rankings where St. John's and Miami drop out. Fresno State and UC Irvine are the two new teams in this week's rankings. Let's first talk about the teams that dropped out. Uh, Miami, uh, 24 to start the year, 25 after last week, out this week. Uh, I guess the biggest news really here is that uh, you know Jim Morris – uh, future Hall of Fame coach, if he's not already in some Hall of Fames, uh, and one of the best coaches in, in college baseball history, uh, missed the weekend series. Had gallbladder surgery. Am I am I right there? And uh, what's his prognosis?
2: Yeah, he had his gallbladder removed on Friday. Uh, he was kind of rushed to the hospital, and, and it sounded like it was kind of an emergency procedure. There, uh, he's still in the hospital today. Uh, on on Tuesday, he's not gonna he's not gonna be in the dugout against. Uh, I think they're playing South, South Florida. Florida. Yep today um he's questionable for this weekend they say he's recovering um but uh you know it's it's still a work in progress but i mean you know they, they're they should be fine i mean you know they're they're a pretty experienced club in the lineup and they've got a good coaching staff but obviously they uh would love to have coach morris back he is one of the best
1: yeah and they've got uh, the gators this weekend so when you're playing the number one team in the country you probably want all hands on deck including yeah. your, your head coach um but uh, you know the gators, uh, gators the hurricanes have won a weekend series. They lost a home game to uh, you know, Appalachian State, which is an improving program. That'd be you know a neat podcast for down the line. Like you're talking about under the radar teams, you've written about it on the blog South Asian Louisiana, definitely an under the radar team, but really isn't under the radar. You know they had a nice year last year and were set up for success this year. Uh, but App State's kind of a nice, a good story program. Uh, but I'm just looking at, at the U. Um, they came in with some real pitching questions. You know Harold Martinez is four for 23 so far this year. He does have a home run, uh, so that's uh, a leg up with the bats. But, uh, you know, uh, it hasn't been a strong start yet for the Hurricanes. And then uh, uh, St. John's falls out after losing a weekend series at Georgia Tech. How strongly do we consider Georgia Tech coming into the rankings there, and what was maybe the reasoning on not bringing the uh, Yellow Jackets in?
2: Yeah, they were right in the mix, and you know, they went three and two. I think if they had gone four and one, they certainly would have been in. Uh, we had a lot of debate for that at number 25 spot in the rankings this week. Uh, I do think Georgia Tech has, has um, you know, played two good Northern teams early on and beaten them both, Kent State and and Saint John's. They've had some problems on Sundays there, but uh, you know, Georgia Tech's pitching is I think maybe the best in the ACC, right there with Virginia, perhaps. Um, you know, Jed Bradley and Mark Pope are a great one-two. They've got guys in the bullpen. They're just young. You know, they're young in, in the lineup. And um, you know, it was nice that this weekend they had Matt Skull back. They need him. He's he's kind of the centerpiece of the lineup, really. Um, he missed uh, the first game of the season with a sprained ankle, and then I believe was suspended for the second game after a DUI arrest that was reported uh, yesterday, I believe, by the, the uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution. So um, that's uh, you know, th- I think they're a pretty good team. Um, we brought Irvine in because, although they haven't really played elite competition yet, they've obliterated the competition they have played. And, and this was a team that, like Georgia Tech, like North Carolina and Fresno, uh, was kind of on the cusp of the rankings heading into the year. Um, Irvine, I, I think, is, is very um, dangerous offensively. You know, it's not, a, it's not a team loaded with pro prospects, but it's a great a um, bunch of college hitters. I think DJ Krumlik at shortstop is a great player. They've got experienced veterans like uh, Sean Madigan and, and Brian Hernandez, these senior guys who can who can hit and move runners around and do things like that. Um, the question we had with Irvine coming into the year was, th- was the pitching, and so far, so good. I mean, the, Matt Summers, I think, on Friday night has a lot of upside. He's got a really good arm. Um, I saw Kyle Hooper on Saturday against Bethune-Cookman. He pitched pretty well, kind of a you know, a good relies a lot on a curveball, kind of a uh, a slow um, big breaking curveball and, and a, a fringe average fastball, but he, he's pretty good too. And and Crosby slots pitched well. So Irvine, I think, has answered the question that we had about them, which was the which was the pitching.
1: And what was your take just on, in general, Aaron, on a very unique event with the Urban Youth Academy there in Compton hosting? And this, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I thought in the past the Urban Youth Academy event had been two HBCUs and two local SoCal teams. This year was Irvine and then three HBCU teams. And it also sounds like that event is moving to Houston for 2012. Is that correct?
2: They're talking about moving it to Houston. They've got a new complex there that just opened up last year. Um, it's kind of on the same footprint as, as the one in Compton. Um, and, you know, I talked with Jimmy Lee Solomon from Major League Baseball this weekend, and, and he uh, he likes the idea of expanding the event a little bit to maybe six teams and having be more of a true tournament format rather than just a round robin. Um, he thinks the idea of having it in Houston, where you've, you're kind of in the hotbed of HBCUs, um, you'd have a lot of a lot of those historically black college and university alumni. Um, he thinks it has a chance to draw well there. But um, you know, they say they haven't finalized those details. But it, it's a neat event. Um, you've got two nationally televised games on MLB Network on on Saturday. Chance for those teams to get some exposure and a uh, chance for them to play against uh, you know a good West Coast team that they haven't seen before. and, uh, that's one of the things that Mike Gillespie said was really neat about the event was was getting to play teams that they wouldn't otherwise ever play.
1: Yeah, and you got a chance to see Peter O'Brien, whom we saw last summer with Team USA, but a chance to see Bethune Cookman, a uh, consistent regional club, uh, and a chance to see the Southern and Grambling bands, which I think was supposed to be the highlight of the of the weekend. At least that's the way it sounds.
2: It was pretty neat. You know, that Southern band in particular was uh, uh, was something special. I mean, they put on a, a really good rollicking show there, um, you know, just the, the way the whole the whole band kind of, you know, dances and they really bring a lot of energy. It was, it was pretty electric, I thought.
1: I think we need to ask, uh, that needs to be the first Baseball America college video podcast is to have, uh, you know, Roger Cador needs to donate some uh, video of the of the Southern band to BaseballAmerica.com, but uh, but I digress. Aaron, a couple other things we, I wanted to point out in the top 25. The biggest fall of any team this week was UConn. UConn from preseason nine. To 14, now a second straight losing week down to 22. And the most impressive weekend of the season of, uh, I would say so far uh, seemed to be Cal going across the country to Coastal Carolina uh, for that uh, tournament in Myrtle Beach and just dominating NC State, Kansas State, and the host Shawnee Clears as they pounded Anthony Mayo and the Shawnee Clear bullpen with a 17-0 victory on Friday. Let's start with the with the positives here, which is which is Cal. We knew Cal was going to be good. We knew they had talent. the biggest question was how would they be affected by the obvious adversity of losing your program uh, and, and not you know kind of doing having that uh, taken out from under them a second time uh, when they thought there was a chance of being reinstated uh, what would your take on the bears and going across the country and just obliterating three good teams?
2: Yeah, they were, like you said, they were one of the big stories of the weekend. Uh, Those are three regional teams that they beat, you know, and um, they shut out NC State, and I think NC State is a very potent offensive team. That's really their identity is is they're going to score a lot of runs this year. Um, But, uh, you know, Cal's pitching is good. I mean, Eric Johnson and Kyle Porter combined on that shutout against the Wolfpack. Uh, Kevin Miller took a no-hitter into the eighth inning against a, a pretty dangerous Coastal Carolina offense. Um, you know they used Dixon Anderson I think on Tuesday against Stanford he's one of their best arms might be their best arm um, Justin Jones pitched well on Sunday I mean they're they're, they're going to score runs um, they're going to pitch and, and and I love the fact that they've you know they haven't let the the off field stuff um, which has to be very concerning and distressing to them I mean I know that they're angry about it as they should be but they haven't let that affect them on the field I think it's really had a galvanizing effect and um you know if you haven't seen the 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 video the Cal reinstatement rap that's been going around on YouTube um you know it, it really shows you just how tight knit this clubhouse is um it makes you feel for the players i mean I, I thought it was almost heartbreaking to see you know these guys they just want they just want to keep playing baseball at cal and um you know they they had such a great i thought response you know it was such an upbeat approach and and uh um and i think a lot of people are pulling for them
1: yeah, I think it's going to be a very easy team in a, in a developing situation to watch Cal baseball this year. And as they gain a little more momentum and as the season draws more to a close, especially when basketball season's over, they're going to get more national attention. You know, The bottom line is college baseball has to wait until basketball season's over uh, to get more attention. But uh, you know, Eric Johnson, 13 scoreless innings so far this year, 14 strikeouts. Um, you know, Justin Jones with a 193 RA, He's given up uh, six of the nine runs this team has given up this year. Only three of them were earned. So they've only given up nine runs in six games so far. So uh, Cal off to a great start. There's some you know, nice veteran bats, uh, guys like Chad Chris, Tony Rendez, a, a young veteran, Danny oh, Uh This is a team that's got a lot of balance and uh, would be a really, really, really scary team under any circumstances. But now, like you said, they've been a little extra galvanized by this uh yeah, this, uh, I believe the uh, uh, Matt Myers would have called it a, a BS price process back in the day <laughs> at Baseball America. But it was a BS process, what happened to them with their program getting uh, taken away. And uh, like you said, I think it's easy to pull for Cal baseball. You know, I think UConn's kind of in the same boat. I'm sure there are some Duke fans who can't root for UConn because they just hate UConn basketball. Uh, but, you know, UConn baseball, not, not, not hard to root for UConn baseball. Kind of underdog northern team, but the – all kinds of pro talent, but the Huskies have stumbled out of the blocks a little bit here, Aaron. They've been shut out once. They scored one run in their first two games of the weekend uh, down in Corpus Christi, before salvaging that uh, the weekend by beating Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Uh, what's the, what's your take on the Huskies so far? Uh, this is a you know easy top ten call for us, I think, in the preseason. And you not you don't anticipate a top ten team losing back to back series out of the gate.
2: You don't anticipate it. But it happens, I feel like it happens every year there 's a team that starts slow like that and uh, and you know and we always re- react I think the same way in the rankings, uh, you know if it 's Cal State Fullerton, I think last year started yeah. slow, and you, you drop to the the mid teens the first week, you drop to the twenties the next week, and then if you lose again, you 're out of the rankings. but uh, I feel like from the chat yesterday, you know there's a lot of people, especially in the Sun Belt parts of the country uh, that think that think Yukon has no business being ranked. Um, you know, and it's just a northern team, and, and then just, they just—they—it's it's shocking to me how little, how little—I hate this word, but I'm going to use it—how little respect northern teams get from a lot of Southern fans, um, and I understand, you know, the track record, and the South, the South dominates, you know, and has for many years, they've got all kinds of advantages, they should dominate, but uh, but U- UConn is loaded, I'm telling you, they're loaded, uh, they got off to a slow start, I think they're going to be fine, I really do believe in this team still, um, I wonder if, if perhaps being under the microscope a little bit has affected them, um, because, you know, they they're not used to having... 40 scouts following around everywhere they go, you know, even workouts. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's it's an unusual position for them to be in. I'm not making excuses for them. Um, I'm trying to maybe explain why they might have started slowly. That and the fact that they haven't been outside in six months because the Northeast has been under six feet of snow. Right. Um, you know, again, not an excuse. You know, last year they had the same disadvantages, and they came out of the gates a lot hotter. Uh, but uh, It's
1: a little bit easy, different easy. playing with a target on your back. It's a little bit different playing with higher expectations, a little bit different. Playing as a sophomore and emerging as a draft guy and playing as a junior, when it is your draft year, it's very natural for a lot of players to press, whether they're in the top uh, 10 of a draft or top 50 or top 100. So all these things are understandable. But at the same time, I guess what I'm I'm looking at the chat again, uh, the the crazy thing is, Aaron, is we've dropped them 13 spots. You know, yeah. Um, it's not like we haven't noticed that they've lost two series in a row, but we're not going to drop a team from 14 to out when they go one and two. You know, unless yeah. that's unless that's one and two against uh, you know a Division three team that hasn't won in 20 years, like that Occidental uh, basketball team that I read about last week.
2: <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because you, you talk about the draft too, and and uh, um, we see great. that every year. Yeah, exactly. We see that every year where, where teams are affected by the draft-itis, and you're right. It's sometimes easier for a sophomore-laden team to succeed than a, than a junior-laden team, which is maybe why, uh, you know, more reason to like Stanford this year. But, right, uh, right. But, but but you know, like you said, Matt Barnes has come out of the great p- gate pitching very well, each of his first two starts. Uh, his stuff's been great. You know, he only allowed – he only made more- – one mistake against Indiana, and it was against a, a preseason All-American, Alex Dickerson, and hit a three-run homer, and and, and that was it. You know, the, the problem for UConn has been the bats. They haven't gotten going, especially on Friday and Saturday. They have scored a lot of runs each of the last two Sundays. Um, I think this team is, is, is constructed to succeed in this new era of college baseball because they've got as much speed as any team in the country. You know, they were among the, the leaders nationally in stolen bases last year. They've got most of their speed back. Um, I think they need to... Maybe you know if they can get on base and they can run wild in the base pass a little bit and, and maybe start to loosen up. But um, like I said, I believe in UConn. Um, I like the veterans on the mound. You know, even the, in addition to Barnes, you know, Elliot Glenn and, and Greg Napo, uh, those guys are, are going to be fine too. And, and you know, Kevin Vance and Scott Oberg give them a couple of veterans in the bullpen. Um, I'm not running away from our our bullishness on UConn.
1: Yeah, me neither. And uh, even if they drop, even if they have a bad series this weekend. Uh, I wouldn't run away from that either. Uh, they still have plenty of time to rebound in the Big East season, and usually teams that have that kind of talent, Aaron, that that talent plays out. You know, that's the bottom line. Uh, yeah. Uh, not not every team plays up to its talent level. <laughs> Georgia, but a lot of teams do. <laughs> uh, eventually, usually that talent level does come out, and uh, I still I think I still think we both expect Georgia, uh, to, in all seriousness. To be a, a a solid team this year, certainly to be a better team than they were last year, um, but you can't go losing your your opening series, uh, you know, at home you can't get swept either at home or on the road against Stetson when you're an SEC team, and then Georgia played a tight series against Baylor this weekend, lost the series, um, you know, which which are as uh, is, is, is Georgia still like in that disappointing mode, uh, is that still a team where we expect that talent to play out or uh are they a little bit different both than, than UConn?
2: You know, it's tough because Georgia plays such a strong schedule that there's,
1: unlike, there's not really – Frankly, unlike most SEC
2: teams. Yeah, you're right. And, and you know, there's no time for them to lick their wounds. I mean, now they've got Florida State coming in for three games this weekend. Which, and then they go to the West Coast and, you know, they get Garrett Cole on Friday. And then they, you know, they're in Dodger Stadium for that Dodger Town Classic. Um, and then it's SEC play and it starts with South Carolina. You know, I mean, there's there's wow. three – there's three of the, of the top four teams in our rankings are in the SEC East, and that also is where Georgia is. So, I mean, it's, it's a little bit different. I mean, you know, we have to, we have to be fair. Uh, if UConn were in the SEC, maybe you would be a little bit more worried about them right now. I, I think that UConn has more time to reload because of their schedule. And, and by the end of the year, I think UConn is going to be very good and, and maybe as good as any SEC team, uh, except for the top couple, because I don't think any team is going to be as good as Florida this year, or Vanderbilt necessarily, but okay. – uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's different. I mean, and, and, and Georgia's talented. There's no question about it. Um, I'm encouraged by what Chase Davidson has done. You know, that's a guy that uh, they hadn't gotten a lot out of the first two years, and it looks like he's kind of turned it around. So that's good. Um, but uh,
1: Maybe he wasn't a third-round talent, but he was clearly a talented guy out of high school. And it's good to see him off to a good start for Georgia. And it'll be good to see good things happen uh, to a program of the status of the Georgia Bulldog. I mean, you've won a national championship. Uh, so you're at a different level as a program for me, and uh, Georgia's a, you know one of the biggest names in college sports, so it would be good for college baseball uh, if Georgia is good. I think it would be good for college baseball also for a, a northern team to make a big run. It doesn't have to be UConn. It could be you know Louisville. To me, doesn't really feel like a northern school, but uh, you know, St. John's, certainly. I think it would be great for college baseball for the Johnnies. I, I think it would be awesome to go to Omaha and have Eddie Blankmeyer get a load of uh, – you know, the microphones and, <laughs> and, and uh, the Caldwell Series and the, the spotlight that ESPN provides at the Caldwell Series, uh, there, there are a lot of characters in the game, and it'd be good for one of them to be Eddie Blankmeyer to have a stage like that. Uh, he's a fun guy to talk baseball with. He just, he just, you know, I, I think they're going to be. It's going to be a year where a, Northern, a Northeast team gets to Omaha because the talent level of those clubs, for me, Aaron, it seems like they get better and better, even though they're, you know, losing talent. Uh, We have a feature. uh, We have a feature in the next issue about uh, Vanderbilt's Northeast uh, contingent. I made a joke last year about Clemson's Northeast contingent, kind of representing uh, the Northeast. Uh, You've got a little bit of both of those things going in the next weekend preview, correct?
2: Yeah, that's right. And and, you know, it's. I think it's amazing to me that UConn and St. John's have been able to to build their programs the way they have. When you've got Jason Esposito and or from Connecticut, their own, their own state, uh, going down to, to Vanderbilt. And, you know, you've got guys like Tim Fedroff from the Northeast going down to North Carolina and all the guys going to Clemson. And, um, you know, there's a, Virginia gets a lot of guys from the Northeast. There's a lot of those those kind of teams, those programs that, that do very well recruiting up there. Um, and, you know, George Springer and Matt Barnes are two guys that uh, – were, were interesting prospects, kind of, you know, they were pro- projects coming out of high school and, and they've developed, you know, and, and you got to give you kind of a lot of credit for both their ability to, to recognize talent and develop it. And, and the same goes for St. John's. I mean, and, and, and Boston College as well, um, you know, they, they had a nice little run the last few years, um, you know, under Mick Aoki. Uh, they've done a good job with that as well. I mean, the, the disadvantages up there are, are striking in facilities and resources and, and of course, in weather. Um, and and it, it's even more difficult to compete when the best talent in your area is either signing pro contracts or going south. So, um, you know, hats off to those programs up there.
1: Yeah, if you ever want to talk to anybody about the difference in going in the southern program and the northern program, talk to Palmineri. He had money and he had resources at Notre Dame. But, I mean, I remember he used to tell me every year they, he told his players no matter what, they were going to open the season either like March 30th or 31st or April 1st. And he said, look, if you make it to the major leagues, you're playing in New York City or Chicago, you're going to be opening at home sometimes. You know, those those northern major league teams don't all go start the season on the road. You know, they all start at yeah. home sometimes in the So You better be ready to play April 1st. Um, yeah. I don't think he has that problem at LSU.
2: You know, I mean, I grew up in in Massachusetts, John, and and as you know, of course, and playing baseball, the you know the little league season starts in in late March or early April, and it's darn cold up there, <laughs> and 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 you know you're obviously rusty, and it, but it goes beyond rust. I mean, it's just it's unpleasant, and that's and that's midway through or two thirds of the way through the, the college baseball season.
1: Didn't old man uh, did old man Finn have an indoor facility though built for you in the yeah. backyard? <laughs> oh, of course,
2: <laughs> of course. <laughs> I'm
1: sorry. Uh, Eddie, uh, I think is that the first old man fit joke we've made on the podcast? Can't be. <laughs> <laughs> it probably is not. Um, that's a great way to end it. I got nothing after an old man joke. So, uh, but no, it's it's gonna be a big week of the uh, weekend preview. I know you've already spoken to John Henson, of uh, Clemson, right? Is that in the dugout?
2: We're doing Clemson, South Carolina as our meaningful matchup this week. So I figured oh, okay. I I'd get a little player perspective. We got Michael Roth. Hopefully, uh. Tomorrow as well, so uh, that's mean- going to be
1: a somewhat meaningful that, ma- matchup.
2: Yeah, that's about as meaningful as they come, especially in March. And, and and you know when you when you think about how much it means to the people in that state, that is one uh, college baseball crazy state, and, and that's going to be a wonderful series.
1: It's going to be cool, and uh, we look forward to the weekend preview to preview it. So I'm, I'm sorry that we had to uh, push it back a day, but a great podcast, Aaron. I'm encouraged by the sound quality as well. So we hope to bring that to you every week uh, as usual here in the Baseball America podcast. So for Aaron Fit, I'm John Manuel. We'll talk to you next Monday. Thanks for being patient with us, and we'll talk to you next Monday on the next podcast. Until then, so long, everybody.